Turn with me in your Bible to the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. I'm going to read again the first 14 verses of the chapter. Philippians chapter 3, verse 1. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh. If any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For him I have suffered the loss of all things, and to count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings be made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. We'll end the reading there at verse 14. And we trust and pray that God will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. This morning... Is taken from Philippians chapter 3, verses 11 through to 14. And my theme today is going on with God in the Christian life. The last Lord's Day morning, I asked you to remember the ultimate goal in the Christian life. And I told you that, that goal is clearly stated in the verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Now, today, I want you to realize that there must be a going on with God in the Christian life. There must be a, a right attitude and a proper motivation to make steady progress in conformity to Christ. To know him must be followed with a desire to be like him and to live for him. And if you look closely at this text of scripture, there's a number of things. Now, the first thing I saw in the text was a humble acknowledgement. Look with me at verse 12. It says in the last part of the text, I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. 
The word apprehend in this text, or apprehended, means to lay hold of, or take a firm grasp of, to arrest in that sense. I believe here again the Apostle Paul, writing to the Philippian church and to us today, is telling us something about himself. Think of the words, I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Now, now what does that mean? I believe he's thinking of that day on the Damascus Road when the Lord Jesus revealed himself to him. When Christ came and laid hold upon him, when Christ took a firm grasp of him, never, of course, to let go. When Christ not only met him, but changed him and transformed him and gave him a new heart and a new mind and a new love by his sovereign saving power. Literally, Paul was made a new man. Remember, prior to this Damascus Road experience, he never spoke of knowing Christ. In fact, he had no time for the Savior. He hated him. He despised him. He rejected him as son of God, son of man, son of Mary, son of David. He refused to accept that he was the promised Messiah. And you could read Acts chapter 7, chapter 8, the opening part of Acts chapter 9. And he literally wanted nothing to do with Christ. And then he met him on the Damascus Road. Remember, it was near Damascus. Remember, it was at noonday. And that day, he met the crucified risen Christ. Uh, he, he was arrested by Christ. It was as if Christ had laid hold upon him. And Christ, remember, changed him and transformed him. And from that day, Saul of Tarsus, now known better as Paul, the apostle, he was never, ever the same. He was a changed and transformed man. Remember the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. Now, let me ask you, are you in Christ? Could you make this humble acknowledgement today? I am apprehended by Jesus Christ. Do you have this testimony that, that Christ has met you and laid hold upon you and Christ has saved you and transformed you? You see, there's many today, sadly, trying to live the Christian life. They're thinking about going on with God. They, they live a good, clean, decent life. They're respectable. They're kind. They do the things that many Christians do. They pray. Maybe recite the Lord's Prayer before they get into bed at night. Maybe have a little prayer before they leave the house in the morning. They read the Bible. They attend church. They don't swear. Take the Lord's name in vain. They, 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 they don't get drunk. And yet the reality is, sadly, they're not true born-again believers. They might say, but, but I'm trying to follow Christ. But that's not the issue. That's like putting the cart before the horse. It's being found by Christ. Having met him in the road of life. And him revealing himself to you. And introducing himself to you. And changing and transforming and saving you. And then after he has found and saved you, you can follow him. So, so I ask again, has there been a day, a time in your life when you've been found by Christ? When, when you've been laid hold of by him. Now, you see, I believe this is an important principle. 
And I'm well aware that I'm laboring the point. I, I, I believe this because it's foundational. The Apostle Paul was laid hold of by Christ. And in this section that he's talking about his testimony, he can't get away from this foundational fact. He tells us, I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Because the Apostle Paul was laid hold of by Christ, born again of the Spirit and washed in the blood of Christ by faith, he's a changed and transformed man. Because of the saving hand of Christ that laid hold upon him, he could now follow Christ. He could now grow in Christ. He could make progress in the Christian life. And that's important. It's important that you understand it. It's interesting that Paul keeps repeating it. It's a major part of his testimony. Now, think of a race. Let's say it's the Belfast Marathon. You, you've never been enrolled. You haven't entered it. You, you don't join it at the, the starting point. If it is Belfast City Hall, this is the starting point, then you don't arrive at the starting point. You pick to yourself, I haven't enrolled in this race. I haven't entered it at the starting point. But it's somewhere down the route, you join in the race. And you might even run to the finish line. But if you crossed the finish line first, you'd be disqualified. Because they would look the ledger. You hadn't been enrolled. You hadn't been entered in. And you hadn't started at the right place. And you see, many are trying to run a race called the Christian life that they've never entered. Because the starting point is meeting the risen, crucified Christ on the road of life and experiencing him. And here's the question. Have you been arrested by Christ? Have you been taken hold of by Christ? Are you a true Christian this morning? Are you in Christ? Are you in saving union with him? Now look again at the text. Let's, let's expand it out a wee bit. Let, let's go back up a wee bit. Paul says, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend, that's lay hold of, that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. You see, salvation this morning is not just to do with eternity. It's not just an important principle that on the day of your death you're found in Christ. See, some people imagine this is unimportant until the day I die and enter heaven. It's not needed till then. But I want to tell you this morning that our God who saves through faith in Christ has not saved anyone just to escape hell and escape eternal punishment with little or no relevance to life here and now on the earth. You see, God's salvation, I believe, is not a mere passport to heaven and home. Salvation that Paul experienced at the Damascus Road resulted in a new life for him. It resulted in a new love. He had a love now for God and Christ. He had a love for the scriptures and a love for the Sabbath and a love for his souls and a love for the saints of God. He had a new loyalty. To, to, to Paul, Christ meant everything. Remember in the Damascus Road, at noonday, Paul called 
Who art thou, Lord? And he got the answer, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest, hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And what was his next statement? Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And there he is praying. And he's asking this Lord he's just met, show me what you want to do with my life. Show me your will. The man's life was changed and transformed. And it impacted on his life in such a way he was not a hypocrite. He was not a play actor. I think of those words that I love very much and ponder often in Galatians 2 and 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, and yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The life that Paul lived in the body on the earth, in the here and now, was a life of faith. And that life of faith was because Christ lived in him. And the faith that saved him is also the faith that sanctifies him. And the faith that sanctifies him was the faith by which he served the Lord with a new aim, a new love, a new desire, a burden, a determination, a mindset. If I could put it this way, the Apostle Paul took the Christian life seriously. Why? Because he'd been laid hold of by Jesus Christ. He'd been radically changed. His life was transformed. And he wants to go on. He wants to know more. He wants to grow in grace and in the knowledge of Christ. And it all started. It all stemmed from that foundational principle which he humbly acknowledges here. He never forgets. I was laid hold of by Jesus Christ. So as you think about going on with God, can you make that humble acknowledgement? I was apprehended of Jesus Christ. Notice secondly here, and quickly, there's a humble assessment here. As Paul thinks of his Christian life, and he's now been converted for about 30 years, he's thinking to himself, where am I at spiritually with God? Look at verse 11. Not as though I had already attained. Uh, Sorry, verse 11. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I'm apprehended of Christ Jesus. Can you get the sense here? What is Paul saying here? I believe he's telling us that he's not sinlessly perfect. He's telling us I don't perfectly know Christ or the power of his resurrection or the fellowship of his sufferings or being made conformable unto his death. He's he's not arrived yet at perfect conformity to Christ. He did want to know him deeper and better. But he's not perfectly in knowledge of Christ. He's not perfectly sanctified. He's not sinlessly perfect. Of course, there's no such thing as sinless perfection this side of eternity. Paul could talk about his fears. He could talk about his doubts. His bouts of backsliding. His coldness of heart. He he was still sinful. Listen to the language in Romans uh, chapter 7 and verse 18. And as you think of these words, I want you to remember this is a saved man that's speaking. 
He says, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, in his body, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, now think of that statement, Romans 7, 18 and 19. You, you, you would think that, that, that that's the language of somebody who's not saved. But, but I want to tell you, those are the words of the language of a saved man. A man who's a Christian. A man who's a born again. And, he, and he's making an assessment of his Christian life. And he's telling us, yes, I'm a sinner saved by free and sovereign grace. But I've not always been righteous in every decision that I've made or action that I've taken in. Yes, I love Christ, but not perfectly. He still sinned. There was times he messed up. There was times he stumbled and fell. There was days he felt like the devil. On the one hand, he loved Christ. And he wanted to have a desire to increase in knowledge of him and run after him. There was a, a desire to do good. But he said, evil is always present with me. He, he strove after holiness. But he struggled. There was a lot to be desired as far as Paul was concerned. It was Solomon that said, There's not a just man that liveth and doeth good and sinneth not. There's not a just man that liveth and doeth good and sinneth not. The word just means the righteous. There's not a, a righteous man that liveth, that's living out his life on the earth, and doeth good, good things. And think of these words, and sinneth not. Because in the very best of our activity, there's still much sin and imperfection. You see, our perfections in Christ were only perfect in him. We're only declared legally righteous in him. And the Apostle Paul knew that, that to grow as a Christian was a lifelong process. And he was in it for the long haul. It was like one step at a time. One day at a time. One, one, one hour at a time. You see, no true believer could ever say, I've arrived. I've attained perfect knowledge of Christ. Or I've attained perfection in my spiritual life. The true believer will always keep striving on after Christ. That will be his goal. As I've told you, the Apostle Paul was a believer for 30 years. One of the most outstanding believers in his day and generation prophet, a preacher, an evangelist, a pastor, a writer. But he could say, but as a believer, I'm still a work in progress. The Christian life to him was not a hundred yard dash. It was a lifelong marathon. There was no quick fixes. It was something he had to work at. All of the time he had to work at. It was not a mere solution with easy answers to deep, complex, difficult problems. We sometimes sing it's not an easy road that we're traveling to heaven, and it's not. And Paul was acutely aware of that. He says this, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. Here was his honest assessment of his life. And when you think of sanctification... 
Our catechism tells us that sanctification is a work of God's free grace, whereby we are renewed in the whole man after the image of God and are enabled more and more to die unto sin and live unto righteousness. You see the doctrine of sanctification? It's an ongoing process. It's a lifelong process. It never ceases until the day we die and are taken home to glory. And here's Paul and he's in Christ. And he wants to go on with God. He wants to make spiritual progress. And in Christ he knows he's positionally holy. Because he's in Christ. And because he's in Christ, he he strives to be progressively holy. That is experimentally on the earth. But he's not perfect. He'll never be perfect. He still sins. He still fouls and messes up. And he's he's acutely aware of that. So let's be clear this morning. The Apostle Paul was not sinless. He said, either were already perfect. But he was striving to be holy. In his life, in his thoughts, in his words, in his deeds. And maybe I could just throw this in this morning. You know when a believer sins, when he stumbles, when someone falls, maybe backslides, haven't we all the tendency to judge them? preacher and people alike we can look down on them we can think and feel that we're somehow better than they are more superior to them we love Christ more and are more loyal to Christ but let's remember this in all our tut tuts and thinking if such a person was ever really saved if such a person was really sanctified let's remember When they fall into sin, they're not perfect. They've not attained spiritual perfection. And neither have we. Billy Sunday was given good advice. On the day he got saved, a man took him to the one side and says, Billy, it's great to hear that you've got saved. Now, Billy, I want you to spend 15 minutes every day listening to God. Read God's word. I want you to spend 15 minutes every day talking to God in prayer, no matter how busy you are, Billy. And I want you to spend 15 minutes every day witnessing about God to others. And Billy, if you do that in your life, remember, this is the day he got saved. Billy, I'll never hear that Billy Sunday is backslid. And Billy, God can make you great for himself. And of course, Billy Sunday was a great American evangelist that led hundreds of thousands to the Lord. You see, in the Christian life, when we think about a believer falling in sin, we also need a spirit of grace, a spirit of sensitivity, tenderness, empathy. The church of Jesus Christ as a church should refuse to bury its wounded soldiers. And therefore we should have this mindset they need help and they need grace and I must be tender here and I must remember myself. I'm not perfect. I sin in ways. They also have a tendency towards sin. I know we've got to test the spirits to see if they're of God. I know we've got to take a stand against apostasy and wickedness in high places. I know and well aware that there's thousands of professors who name the name of Christ. 
Remember the Bible says, let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. There must be a desire. There has to be a willingness to hate sin. In Romans 7, Paul hated his sin. But let's remember this, that the Bible teaches that no individual in Christ is sinlessly perfect. And because we're not sinlessly perfect ourselves while we live out our life in the body and our completeness in Christ, and we're never in perfect conformity to Christ and we live in an imperfect state, let's have a tender heart, a compassionate spirit, and keep on praying, Father, Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Now we've thought about a humble acknowledgement. We've thought about an honest assessment here. There's one final thing. There's a holy assignment here. See, I believe that the Apostle Paul wants to think of the Christian life as an assignment. As a task. To be taken in hand. To, a, a task to be engaged in. Wholeheartedly. Look at the words in verse 12. But I follow after. We should underline that. Think about a hunter following after a prey. Think about a young man with an eye on a young girl. And setting out to, to win her. As, as a, a potential wife to be. Look at verse 13. He says, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth. Think of the words, reaching forth unto those things which are before. What does those words, reaching forth, mean? And then in verse 14, I press toward the mark. Do you see that? You see, to me, these words speak of passion. They speak of zeal. They speak of desire. Of doing something. You see, Paul had this in his mind. The Christian life for me is an assignment. I have been called to go on with God. And I'm going to follow after that. I'm going to reach forth for that. I'm going to press toward the mark for the prize. I believe there's an allusion here to the Greek games. Paul is remembering the Christian life is a race. I've already said it's not a 100 meter dash or sprint, but it's a lifelong marathon. And Paul pictures himself as one of the runners. To run a race, you've got to enter it. To run a race, you've got to start at the right place. To run a race, you have to have the right attitude. To run a race, you've got to be determined and motivated. Think of somebody who's training for the athletic games and they go to the gym and they they push themselves to the limits and they train hard and they're disciplined by way of what they eat and and what they do and many hours sleep they have and so on and so forth. And, And that's what Paul has in his mind. Entering the race, starting at the right place, the right attitude, a determination and a motivation to to be disciplined. And what is true of the runners in a race, any race, is true of the Christian life. Paul is running a spiritual race. Think of the manner of this assignment. He says, I follow after it. it. It's a reference to his zealousness. 
The word follow after ties into the word persecution. How did he persecute the church? He did with great zeal. He did it with relish. He went out of his way to persecute the church, Acts 9. Well, now he's got the same mindset. Now he's displaying the same kind of zeal, but, but now it's zeal for Christ. So, so before he met Christ, he had zeal, zeal to persecute the church, and now he has zeal after Christ. Think of this word reaching forth. It has to do with stretching. I know very little about stretching. But, but it, it's the, the picture of someone running for the line. Reaching out to touch it. Pushing forward. Being passionate. And think of again the words in verse 14. I press toward the mark. You see, there's the manner of this assignment. This is how he engaged in it. All his heart. He, he was full of zeal. He was passionate about it. Notice his method here. Forgetting those things which are behind. He's thinking about the fact that he's a Jew by race. He's thinking about the rituals and rites of the Jewish religion, especially circumcision. He's thinking about his religion as the Jew and how he was a member of the sect of the Pharisees and how he kept the law outwardly blameless. And he's thinking about his respectability, how people saw him. And, 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 and he says, I'm going to forget all about that. I'm going to go on with God. And I would encourage you not to dwell on your past sins, not to dwell on your past successes, not to dwell on past situations. Don't get bogged down in your heart and mind with loads of guilt about the past. Put the past under the blood. The Bible tells us the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. And how many dwell in past sins, pa past failures? As someone said, um, don't keep crying over spilled milk, get up and after the cow. And, and that's the mindset. And if we have a mindset where we're thinking about the past and our sins and our guilts and our failures, then we'll be controlled by the past. And we're not to be controlled by the past. That's what Paul is saying here. If you think of somebody driving a car, well, they don't keep looking in the mirror out the back window as they're driving along. Can you imagine that? Because you would have a car crash. No, you glance in the mirror at times. But you keep your eyes looking through the front windscreen as you turn in the visibility of the road. That's what Paul's saying. I'm not controlled by my past. I'm not letting it um, dictate to me. I'm not keeping looting back. I've got a different thing to look at now. I'm going to forget that which is behind. And I'm going to stretch forth for the prize that's in front of me. That was his method. Notice his motivation here. And with this we finish. The prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What was his motivation? God has called me to obtain a glorious prize. How could I press on, you say? I'm weary. I'm cast down. I'm discouraged. My life's full of failures. If you have laid hold of Christ because Christ has laid hold on you by faith, then remember he's your salvation. 
He's your song. He's your strength. He's your supplier. He's the one who can surprise you. It is Christ that does it all in you and through you. You're not left in your own. You, you look forward to the day when you'll be welcomed to heaven. Well done, good and faithful servant. With this I finish. There was a mountain climber one time and he was climbing Mount Everest and he lost his life. And you can imagine how sad that would be for his family circle, his friends, the other mountain ears, etc., etc. And whenever they had the funeral service, this is what the minister said about him. Now he was a Christian man, he loved the Lord. And he said this, he died climbing. And I thought, that's lovely. Because that's exactly what the Apostle Paul has in mind. There's a prize of the high calling of God in Christ. And I'm going to press on to that. And I'm going to climb until I reach the point where I receive the prize. Even if God calls me home in the process. There's a, a holy assignment here. There's a goal that we must strive after. That we must attain unto. And we can't do it in our own strength and power. We can only do it in the strength of Christ. May the Lord bless you this morning. Thank you for coming. Thank you for listening. May the Lord take these few stumbling words and bless them to our hearts. We're going to sing in closing. Um,